Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week, we uh, were looking at three areas that the enemy, Satan, uh, uses to distract uh, us from being who God's called us to be, from doing what God's called us to do. And his whole point is that he can destroy our life. And his vision in that is that he'll pick us apart person by person, family by family, church by church to ultimately uh, combat the Lord and his, and his work through the church, in the church. And so those three areas, y'all remember what those three areas were? If you were here, y'all know what they are. First, first John chapter 2, verse 15, you know what they are. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So again, we see that going all the way back to uh, the garden and Satan using those things to lure Eve and he's been doing that and he still does that today. Many times when we get off track, when we fall into sin, uh, it, it can be brought into those, those three lures uh, that he used. And again, we looked at these briefly, uh, saw this picture that is painted of those who have a relationship with the Lord versus those who say they have a relationship with the Lord. And this week we're going to move forward in, I think, a very important thing as well. Again, all of God's Word is important. Uh, but we're going to talk about, it's interesting that Miss Terry is saying about the Holy Spirit because we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit uh, this evening. And there's some misconceptions, there's some misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit, and there, I think there's some misuses of that um, in even Christian culture today, and especially in false, uh, false religions and, um, I would say, pseudo-Christian denominations and stuff. Um, so, anyways, we'll look at this and see some other important information and uh, I think the Lord will bless. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time again. We thank you for allowing us to be here. Uh, God, we have had um, already together uh, a great week. Lord, we, we had an amazing day on Sunday, both in the a.m. and p.m. service. And then uh, tonight already, just the time spent together worshiping you uh, in song. And now as we're in your word, I, I pray that you would move. Uh, God, as even it was just saying, and um, Lord, we, we want you to, to fill this place. We want you to be the one. Uh, that it's all about. And so help us to be ready with our spiritual eyes and ears. Help us to be ready in our hearts that your word goes out and it is received and we are uh, encouraged, admonished, uh, convicted, uh, whatever's necessary in our lives tonight, Lord. And again, if there's somebody here that doesn't have a sincere relationship with you, they're not, uh, they're not saved, Lord. I, I pray that they would uh, surrender their life tonight before they leave this place. Again, we praise you for what you do, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so if you have your Bibles there in 1 John chapter 2, <clears throat> we've already talked about how John has addressed different uh, groups, if you will. It could be groups, it could be different life stages, it could be uh, different things, but no doubt we see a tone of a spiritual father or a pastor in this letter. And again, he, he brings that back up. In verse 18, it says this, little children, and we know John's not writing to a bunch of little kids. <laughs> Again, as a, as a spiritual father, as a pastoral, uh, he has that care, that concern. Uh, Paul even likened himself uh, in some of his, uh, in, in the way that he viewed some of the people that he uh, was over in the Lord, if you will, as, as almost like a, a mother-like. And so again, these, these, these affections that are shown in this are, are not just something to breeze over. Uh, this is coming out of a heart of love, out of uh, a spiritual uh, father, and, and, and as he writes this, we, we need to keep that in mind. So he said, uh, little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that, is the that it is the last time. He goes on to say in verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us, for or because if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is such a profound scripture that we come to uh, in light of something that I read just this week. 
and in light of something I read just last week. And some of you may be very familiar with it, some of you may not. Uh, but I, I read an article last week of somebody who's a former pastor and somebody who is a, a former best-selling Christian author. And uh, this week I read an article of a former uh, worship group leader of a very well-known popular worship uh, band and, and church. Uh, both of these came out uh, saying that they essentially have turned away from the faith, have fallen away from the faith, have uh, had a change of mind, a change of heart as far as their faith in Jesus Christ and pursuing Him in their life. And, uh, you know, I look at this scripture and we consider that John was being inspired to write these words almost 2,000 years ago. I, I think for us in 2019 reading this, this should have a profound impact on our response to, this, to these scriptures. In light of the fact that we see, literally, it's being written, it's being, in, not, not just the, the, uh, the casual, if you will, I don't want to say anything is casual when it comes to turning away from the Lord, but this, this kind of drifting away, this slipping away from the Word of God and, and sound doctrine and stuff like that, there, there's, there's bold departures from the faith in our day and time. And so, again, if John is being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write 2,000 years ago, that it's the last time, it's the last days. There are antichrists that are existing right now, and the antichrist is coming, and uh, there are many people who are going to turn away. There's many that have gone out from us. And the reason why is they were not of us. Again, I think it should have a profound impact on our response. If you notice, again, if the little children, as, as a father would come with love and concern for his children to warn them or to teach them something, he's, he's coming to them and saying, listen, right now, it's the end. That, the, 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 the wordage in, in the Greek is, is that we are at the end right now. These are the, this is the last time. This is the last hour. This is the last day. The, this is the end, the end of time. John was making it clear. That's where we're at right now. It's already coming to pass. Now, the day of the Lord hadn't come, but the end of time was, was there, very clear. Why, why would he do that? Why would, why would John say something as a father would and, and warn in the, these readers about this being the very end of the end time? Why would, he, why would he admonish? I would say because, and we'll look at it in just a second, based off of what the Lord had already said. Jesus had given them ideas of what the end time would look like. He had given them uh, a, a picture, an illustration of what it would, uh, the teaching of what would happen in the, in the last days. And so John is saying this stuff is happening already in our presence. So as any pastor, any spiritual father who loves the Lord, who loves those who uh, has been entrusted to, he's been entrusted to feed, Again, he cautions them, he admonishes them, he teaches, he teaches them, we're in the end. Again, the, the reason for John having this, uh, this, I guess, urgency of the Holy Spirit, this, this movement to write this is because, as I said a while ago, in Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus was asked, well, what's going to be the sign of your coming? What's going to be the sign of the end of the world? What, what, how are we going to know that the end is upon us? And Jesus begins to explain, and among, inside of that uh, explanation or that, uh, that teaching, he says this in verse 24, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And so we, we talked about just, just this week that, or, or last week, that uh, uh, evil generation seeks a sign, that we shouldn't be seeking after signs that that God gives us his word, that's where his promises are, and there are sweet moments when God confirms what he's already said. Uh, again, I, I think that we experienced that even on Sunday. I mean, there was a Sunday school lesson that was lined up with a message that was orchestrated by God, and then the evening service seemed to be just a continuation of that as we saw people being moved to share testimonies that were in line with what was going to be preached that night. Again, just, again, a confirmation. God is trying to say something. He's trying to do something. He is doing something. 
But again, we have the word of God. It's the promises of God already there. But Jesus says in the end time, the last days, before I come back, there's going to be a lot of false prophets and a lot of false Christ that, that rise up. And they're going to do these amazing signs and, and, and wonders among the people. And if it were possible, the very elect of God would be deceived. And I would say today in 2019, there's a lot of that going on. And there's a, a book a long time ago talking about counterfeit revival. And, and uh, there's, there's other uh, books out there. And there's other uh, things that you can read and, 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 and find out the heart of some of these, these false religions, these pseudo-Christian religions that are leading multitudes away from the truth. And, and when we talk about this, there's a lot of it that sounds really good. There's a lot of it that sounds really spiritual. There's a lot of it that can stir you up and it seems really right. But whenever it pulls you away from sound doctrine, it's, fa it's false. It's to be avoided. It's to be, uh, again, brought out as false doctrine. John was writing to them saying, listen, it's happening right now in our time. Exactly what the Lord warned about, it's happening right now. Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, possibly around the same time that John was writing this to his readers, uh, we don't know exactly the, the date of, of the letter, uh, the first John uh, that we're going through tonight, but uh, probably around the time that Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, it says this, let no man deceive you by any means. So any, no means, don't let anybody deceive you, for that day shall not come, the day of the Lord, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. See, the, the Thessalonians had been pulled away, there had been people that, had, that were telling them and deceiving them that the day of the Lord was already upon them. And so Paul was trying to calm their, their, their worry that they had missed it that they, uh, the day of the Lord was upon them. And he says, listen, that day's not going to come first unless these things happen. So don't let anybody deceive you. First, there has to come a falling away. Now, in the end time, we have seen people, again, falling away. But I look in 2019, and it is like, like I said, you, you have, there's bold departures from not just normal people but we're talking when the normal people when i'm talking about influencers people who have a major impact this one uh, that i that i mentioned a while ago uh, was an author of a of a a, a, be, a bestseller that influenced just about an entire generation think about that he influenced just about an entire generation in in how they viewed uh, dating and and purity and all that kind of stuff and and now he's coming boldly out after saying, basically, I'm divorcing my wife and we're okay with it. It's okay. <clears throat> First of all, he said he was wrong about his book. Second of all, now he's, he's, uh, they're, they're divorcing and, and, they are, and he is leaving the faith, basically. How much accountability, how much is on that man's account? To, to much is given, much is required. Again, I don't know if he's saved or not. I mean, I, I can't judge. I mean, he's saying he's walking away. I mean, it, that's between the Lord and, and him. But what I'm saying is we see not just a falling way, but, but a bold departure from the faith. When this, this, this is one among many, but it seems like it's, it's coming more and more often. It says that there, the day of the Lord is not going to come unless there's a falling away, a, a great falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. I'm not going to get it. we got kids in here, and we're, we're, we're short for time, but uh, there could be so much theological discussion and, and debate and teaching about this concerning um, the temple of God and talking about the son of perdition and again, Antichrist and timing, we do go into all that. But I, I just want us to know that these are the identifying marks of the last days. A departure, a falling away. And so the other part of John's admonition is identifying the fact that these people he's warning believers about used to be connected to them. They knew them. They went out from us because they were not, they were not truly of us. 
but they used to be connected with us. Some people believe that those who John was writing about were the Judaizers. These people who said, uh, yeah, uh, grace alone, faith alone, but it's also keeping the ordinance and the law alone. We can say all these alones, but it's, and again, that's, that's not the gospel that, that was given. Grace alone, through faith alone, and the ordinance alone. No, no, no. By grace alone, through faith alone. But the Judaizers are going around and trying to sway people back into keeping the ordinances as part of salvation, keeping the law as part of salvation. And uh, he said, they went out from us because they were not truly of us. We've already seen so far in this study that one of the true marks of believers is that they obey, is they love. And love is seen in obedience. It's, it's illustrated. If you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Again, that's, that's seen in a Christian's life. And his, his commands are not grievous. We'll see that later on in, in John. They're not burdensome. But one of the marks of a Christian is that they continue. They continue. They persevere. They, they, they endure. But there's some tension here. There's a little bit of difficulty here. When we consider that they were of us, they went out from us because they were not of us, what does that look like? I'm not going to ask anybody in here to raise your hand, and hopefully not. <clears throat> but chances are, at some point in your life, you have you yourself or you know somebody who has left a church because they were mad. Or they were upset. Something was done, so they left. Now, I'm not talking about like a, an unbiblical thing and it was a right move to leave, but I'm talking about something upset you or you know somebody, something upset them and they left. Again, so when we consider that a Christian continues and it continues in the, the, the obeying of the commands and continues with the fellowship and continues with the gathering, we look at something like this, they, they went out from us because they were not of us. And again, there's a little bit of tension. There's a little bit of difficulty because the question then arises so is everyone who strays or everyone who doesn't continue or anyone who, who leaves the fellowship of believers, as John said that these people did, they went out from us, is everyone who does that not truly a Christian? There's the tension. There's the difficulty. John said, listen, here's, here's the reality. There, there's, there's, uh, there's false Christ. There's antichrist. There's false prophets. They're, uh, they're rising up. And, uh, and, and, and here's what you got to know. These people, they went out from us because they weren't of us. Because if they were of us, they no doubt would have continued with us. So again, you look at if somebody leaves a church mad or somebody leaves or, or, or strays in their Christian walk or, or a term that we sometimes use, backslide. They're not showing up for church. They're not reading their Bible. They're not praying. They're not serving. They're not giving. They, by all means and purposes, look like a lost person who claims to have a relationship with Christ, but there's no evidence in their life that they're actually connecting and, and walking with Christ. Again, you can't have Christ without his body, right? There's, he's the head of the church. Again, that, there's a lot of misconception in our world today. Part of one of those, uh, the, the, the departure from the truth is, is that teaching on the church. The Catholic church, and I said the Catholic church because that's the main source of it. But is the state church started back in, uh, in the, um, the early, um, well, not early, in the, in the, in the 300s. Um, basically exalting uh, the, the one, one state church. And, um, having a, 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 a wrong, uh, misunderstood, misinterpreted, mis, uh, misused, abused uh, way to use the church to manipulate people and manipulate uh, people through through everything the church says and does. And so again, as it grows and, and becomes something that's worldwide, that's what we see with um, the state church. Again, a great abuse. And so there's a lot of people that in uh, knee-jerk reaction or as the pendulum swings, just like it has all throughout church history, uh, people have, this goes wrong, and so people swing hard to the other side. And so there's a lot of people that uh, throughout all the church history fighting against that would say, 
well, we are the church, so we don't actually have to gather. I can, I can have church with God anywhere I'm, I'm at. <clears throat> and just, just to let you know, that's nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> it's not there. I mean, you can look. If you find it, let me know. But I'm just telling you it's not there. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of people that have that thought process, even still today. I don't have to be at a gathering. I don't have to go to church. I am the church. No, you aren't the church. If you're a Christian, you're part of the church. And you're right. You don't go to church. You are part of the church. And the church gathers because that's what the, the church did ever since Jesus instituted it. And so, again, there, there's a connection. There's a body. Again, we see that the church is the body of Christ. So that's one side of the pendulum. To fight against that, there becomes legalism. And, and, and they swing on the other side. And again, you get the misuse and the abuse on the other side. That if, um, well, we're not going to get all that. <laughs> so that, that's the, the, the pendulum has swung in, in, in the Christian uh, era ever, ever since it, the, the church has been started. But you have this question as everyone who strays, everyone who, who leaves the fellowship, everyone who leaves mad, everyone who walks away, who falls away, everyone who backslides, are, 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 does that mean that they're not a Christian? And I would say the short answer to that is yes and no. <laughs> so, oh, you can't do that. <clears throat> yeah, no, I think we can because I think we see definites in Scripture. Uh, we also see examples in Scripture. And so we've covered some of the definites. You say, how, does, how do we know someone is a Christian? Some of those definites that we've seen is that you love the Lord. And again, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, and that's one of, the, that's one of the, the ways we know that we love the Lord is, is that we are keeping his commandments. And, and, and that's part of it. You can't say that I love God and you're not obeying him. So again, that's one of the definites we see. A, a love of others. Uh, the, he says that if, if, if you don't love others, how can you say that you have any part in him? And so, again, two, two greatest commandments, uh, all the law and the prophets hang on them, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, faithfulness, we've talked about endurance, uh, faith, faithfulness, continuing. Uh, we talked about obedience. We talked about conviction. We'll talk about that a little bit more tonight. Um, but these are the, the definites, the marks of a Christian. So if somebody says, I hate that person. And you, I mean, it's disdain in their heart, their hatred. Uh, that, that's just a very, that's a very dangerous ground to be in. Um, not saying that we can't feel the emotion of hate and, and, and be convicted and repent of that. But Jesus himself said, love your enemies. You say, an eye for an eye, you know, a tooth for tooth, you know. But I say, love them that do you wrong, that hurt you. <clears throat> so we have the definites, but we also have examples on the other side, right? We see the Peters in Scripture. We see uh, Peter denying the Lord three times. We see him going back fishing. Uh, we see the John Marks in Scripture that departs uh, from a mission, in the, in the middle of a, the, well, actually the beginning of a missionary journey, uh, leaves and goes back, and then later on becomes a, a profitable tool for the Apostle Paul. And so again, we see uh, definites and we see examples of those who have swayed or have gone back or backslidden. But one of the things that we've got to understand is that a Christian continues. And, and here's where it gets a little bit, I guess a little more, little more tension is found there. A little more difficulty is found there. Because if, if one of the marks of a Christian is that they continue... They went out from us because they were not of us. If they were of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. And so if, if one of the marks of a Christian is that we continue, that we endure, that we, we press on, that we persevere, that we, we keep going, what's the answer to that? Well, we all know that the battle is real. Every single one of us gets up every single day, and there's the flesh that we've got to deal with. We've already talked about this. The world we have to deal with, and we've got to face the enemy of God who's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour that will use both the flesh and the world against us. Using those three lures of the flesh, the, the, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, try to get us out of fellowship with God, out of fellowship with the body of Christ, out of service, ultimately destroyed. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. The battle's real. We also know something in our lives 
that's real, there are seasons of disobedience that happens, right? Sometimes it's that sin that we struggle with and we keep disobeying. Sometimes it's, it's a sin of commission. We're committing an offense. Sometimes it's a sin of omission. We're not, we're not witnessing. It's a command. Go ye in all the world and teach all nations. We're supposed to be witnessing. We're supposed to be sharing the gospel. But every day, week after week, month after month, there, there's so many days go by that we don't share. We're omitting. <clears throat> Some people omit the, the gathering, the, the command to gather. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves. Some people, some people omit that and disobey it. On and on and on we can go. There's so many different things that we could look at, but there's seasons of disobedience that we struggle. And, and, and here is, here's, where the, the, here's where the tension boils down to. Here, here's where it all comes to kind of a, a head. There's nothing in Scripture that gives us a timeline or time frame for how, how long someone can be backslidden and still be assured that they're saved. Right? We don't, we don't see that. We don't see in Scripture where it says, if you struggle with something or you have a season of disobedience or if you backslide for six months and then you come back, you can be rest assured that you're still saved. <laughs> you know? We don't have that. Uh, three, three months or a year or five years or 15 years or 20. I mean, what, what is the season? What's the distance? What, what's the time frame? What is it that we have? Is it, is it a month? Is it two months? Is it two years? What, what is the, the time frame that, that somebody can be assured that, man, I, I've struggled with this. I've, I've backslidden. I've, I've fallen away. I've, I've not um, been who I'm supposed to be. I have strayed. You know, whatever, whatever words we use. We just don't have a time frame for how long uh, that that is, if, you will say, if, if we can say, okay, and still be a Christian, you know. <clears throat> so with that, what's, what's the solution? What's the, where, 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 where's the resolution? Where do we come to of all, in all of this? If, if one of the, 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 the realities of true Christians is that they continue and we all face seasons of disobedience. We all, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you, have, you know that you've gone through, uh, even if it was for a week or for, or for a month, some, some lot longer, some have been years. And you know in your heart of hearts, I am a Christian sitting here in this evening, in this service tonight. I know it. You can mark this down. I think I put it in your notes. If you can backslide or stray, or have a season of disobedience, or fall away, or whatever, and never feel convicted, you should be concerned. <clears throat> if, you can, if you can stray and fall away and, and never feel conviction in that, you should be really concerned about your salvation. See, that's where, that's where the struggle comes because there's a lot of people that have all of the knowledge, have all of the answers, know exactly what to say if somebody were to ask them, how do you know you're going to heaven? They could give you the answer, but there's something that's missing in their heart. There's something that's void. There's something that's, that's, that's missing. And in, in, the, in these people who have all the answers, maybe have been in church their whole life, these people who, uh, again, could, could lead somebody else and probably in, in many of them maybe have led people to the Lord. Uh, what's the difference between the fact that they are, they are not saved and somebody else who is saved? Again, if you are a child of God, the Bible says the Lord loves who, uh, the Lord chastens who he loves. You, you cannot go astray and not be corrected and not be convicted if you're a child of God. You, you can't. And so if you are a child of God and you, here, here's the danger. There's a lot of people that have that knowledge. There's a lot of people that have all of the answers. They, they go to church and, and, and here's what happens. They go and do whatever they want to do in the world. They go and do whatever they want to do that pleases their flesh. And they can justify it in their own minds, not scripturally, but they can justify in their minds. And they feel no conviction that I'm in the wrong. I'm not right. I, I'm disobeying my God. I'm, I'm, I'm not 
loving him the way I should. I'm not obeying him. Again, when we can, when we can disregard God's word, God's commands, we can disregard what God has called us to, to be and called us to do and not feel any conviction at all. That is reason for concern. And so if you're there tonight, you can, you can say, look, I'm just not going to share the gospel with anybody. That's not me. I'm not going to do it. And I'm okay with that. And you feel no conviction, you need to be concerned. Uh, you just have to be concerned. Charles Spurgeon said, um, have you no care for others to be saved? Then you yourself are not saved. I don't know, Charles Spurgeon is not, not God. He didn't, it's not in the word of God. But again, concluding from all of what we see in Scripture and, and everything that God has commanded, how, how could we not? We talked about gifts, you know, uh, being, being so graciously given to on Sunday, and that's how our lives should be expressed. You know, I mean, again, if, if you can stray and not feel convicted, you, you really need to have a real examination and, and a real time where you, you, you examine whether you're in the faith, as Paul told the Corinthians. But the reason this is so important is this. John is going to spell it different, so you look back in the Scripture. In verse 20, he says, But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have written unto you because you know, because you know not the truth. I'm sorry. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. And there you go. The reason why it's so important to, to, to realize that if you can backslide and never feel convicted, the reason why that's so concerning is because of what John just was inspired to write. You, you see what he said? You have an unction from the Holy One. Those who are Christ, who are of Christ, have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He is in them. So if you can go in opposition to what the Holy Spirit wants and not feel convicted or not feel chastised, again, that is a very, that's a very concerning thing to, to be aware of in your life. Maybe it's not talking to you. Maybe you're, you say, yeah, I'm good, I'm saved, I, you know, I, I get convicted, I get corrected every time I mess up. Uh, praise God. Again, this is to be both encouragement, admonition, but maybe you know somebody who is abusing and, and, and not viewing, and you can in grace and in love share some of these scriptures with them. But again, we have to remember if we're Christ, if we're in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. Those who are of Christ have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That word unction is what it means. Anointing, uh, the, another word is smearing. Um, so the, the, the mark of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit is in the believer's life. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see throughout all of all Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, In Him, Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, again, in Jesus, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You were sealed. And the Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, our inheritance, to the praise of his glory. So if you understand what Paul was saying, Paul was saying, listen, you believed in Jesus Christ, you were given the Holy Spirit, you, and, and he, you were sealed with him. And he is the earnest. What is, what is the earnest? It's like earnest money. It's guarantee. Jesus Christ is coming back to get you, and the Holy Spirit is that guarantee of his return in your life. Romans chapter 8, verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Listen to what he says, though. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Okay, that's great. That's wonderful. But who... What does that mean to me? Look what he says. Anyone who, doesn't, who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So there are false doctrines out there that teach that you have to um, <clears throat> uh, receive the Holy Spirit 
uh, with the laying on of hands and uh, the evidence of you receiving the Holy Spirit uh, uh, with laying on hands is that you speak in tongues. But their interpretation of tongues is unintelligible babble, which the tongues in Scripture uh, that we see is not unintelligible babble. It's languages. And so um, it was, again, that happened in, in the book of Acts as a sign to the unbelieving Jews that the Gentiles indeed could be saved and receive the same Holy Spirit that they did. And so, um, so Paul is writing to the Romans here, and he's saying, listen, you're not in the, in the flesh. You're in the Spirit because the Spirit of God dwells in you. And anybody who doesn't have the Spirit of God inside of them doesn't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, listen to what he says, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised, Jesus, uh, raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So again, if we are in Christ, if, if Christ is in us, the Holy Spirit is in us. He is, again, that seal, that, 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 that mark, that, that guarantee for us that we are his. John chapter 16, Jesus, now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. This is Jesus again talking about him going to ascend back to the Father, going to send the Holy Spirit, going to send the Comforter, going to send the Helper. And when he comes, and when he, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe me and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say, but, I cannot, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all, into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he, he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. And so again, Jesus left, sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when somebody gets saved, comes in, resides in the person, does the washing, does the regeneration, does the changing, does the baptism into the family of God. The Holy Spirit's work is there. He's present. His, his, his work among people in the world is to convict and to guide God's people into all the truth. In John chapter 10. Jesus walked into the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said, How long dost thou make us doubt? If you are the Christ, then tell us plainly. Like you're kind of going around it. Let us know if you are the Christ. Jesus answered them, I told you. I told you I was. And you didn't believe me. <clears throat> the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not. But uh, because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. I give, them, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So a few things tonight. <clears throat> Very clearly, those who are truly saved First of all, have the Holy Spirit. If you are in here tonight and you are a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the mark, the smear, the unction, as the King James says. If you're truly a child of God, truly saved, again, you've been indwelt, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Number two, if you are truly saved, those who are truly saved, can receive the truth. Those who are truly saved can receive the truth. The Bible says that he that, uh, he that have ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
got to have ears to hear. Jesus would talk about what Isaiah prophesied about uh, of the Pharisees and many people who turned away from the truth. He said, ears they hear not, mouths they speak not. Again, if we have been changed and we've received a new body, if we're in Christ, we have the Spirit of God, we can hear the truth. Again, Jesus said that the Spirit will guide you into all the truth. And thirdly, they can hear His voice similar. They can hear His voice and feel His conviction, which again is the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. And if at any point in time that you were convicted of your sin and repented and turned to Jesus Christ, it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit in doing that conviction. And again, the fact that He is present in your life, convicting you when you stray, is very good evidence. And this leads to the next distinction. If, if, if these are the marks of believers and, are a, and, and you're able to distinguish between truth and lies, that is another thing that's important to, nar- to, to mark. In verse 22, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. So if anybody, anyone claims that they're a Christian and, and they go and, and they say that Jesus is not the Christ, they are not in the truth. They're a liar. He goes on to say he's Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. They're one. Jesus already said that. John chapter 10, verse 30. I and the Father are one. Whosoever denieth the Son, there you go. He goes on to say it. The same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledged the Son hath the Father also, receiveth the Son. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you, sh- you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father, both. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. Again, go back to John chapter 10 and see that all that the Father's given me are mine and no one's able to pluck them out of my hand and the Father's greater than me and no one's able to, play, able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So again, you can't have one without the other. You cannot have the Son and not have the Father. You cannot have the Father and not have the Son. These two are one. Jesus made that plain here. He made that plain in John chapter 10 verse 30. I and the Father are one. This is the reality. There are so many false religions. There are so many pseudo-Christian religions. And what that means is they're false Christian religions. They, they are under the guise of Christianity. But they, and, and even in the world, the world says that they are Christian. Religions, uh, pseudo-Christian religions like Mormons and uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Christian science. And, and, and there's so many different things. People say, oh, they're all the same, all believe in Jesus. No, not the Jesus of the Bible. Not the one true Jesus. Not Jesus, the Christ. And that is the, the most important thing. What the Christ means is he is the anointed of the Father. He is the only begotten of the Father. He is the Son of God. He is God the Son. He is one with the Father. Again, you cannot say that he is not God because, again, the Bible says he is God. And so when you get into these religions, that's where you start getting to to realize that they don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. They may call him Jesus Christ, but they don't believe that he is Jesus the Christ. Because what the Christ means is all of that what we said and so much more. Again, so many say that they believe in Jesus. But they don't believe the Jesus of the Bible, the only Christ. There's only one. Again, the Bible says that he proceeds out from the Father. He is the image of the invisible God. And if you have Jesus, you have God. They have you. He has you. I say they because the the persons. God has you. Again, the reason this is so important because it's been a battle since Jesus himself walked this earth. The enemy is set on deceiving so many. Just as Jesus wants to save, Satan wants to destroy. John explains the reason why this is important and he points it out as as I close this out. Verse 26, these things I've written unto you concerning them that seduce you, try to pull you away from the truth. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. So wait, you don't have no teach you don't need no teacher. He's talking about concerning this. 
You have the Holy Spirit in you. You don't need someone to teach you what you already know and what you already possess. That is your teacher. He is your teacher. Again, concerning this issue of truth and lies, of Christ and false Christ and antichrist and false prophets and those who went out from us and, and those who are trying to pull you away from the truth, you don't need, any, you don't need anything more than the evidence, the, 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 the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit inside you. His presence cons- confirms the truth in you. That's what John was saying. You've received the truth. You know the truth. And there's no lie that's of the truth. The Holy Spirit's inside you, and you have him, and he showed you this. He's taught you this. You've received this. And so you don't need someone to come and teach you this, just like John was. I'm not having to do this. The Holy Spirit confirms this in your life. And again, back in Romans chapter 8, I love this. Verse 14, for all who are led of the Spirit of God are the sons of God. All who are led of the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Listen to what he says in verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness. What does that mean? The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. So again, how do you know? How does someone know? Again, it's not some sensual, it's not some emotional, it's not some mental or any other thing that you say, well, I just feel like I have the Holy Spirit. No, the Spirit of God bears witness. And he, and, he, and he bears witness because of the truth. That's it. So again, when we get off, when we turn aside from the truth, when we go away from the truth, the Spirit of God does a work to say, I, 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 who are led with the Spirit of God, are the sons of God. That Spirit, His Spirit bears witness with ours that we are His. Again, how do we know that we're the children of God? Because when we stray, who the Lord loves, He chastens. He says, no, get back here. You need to be here. You need to be right. And I said a while ago, if you don't feel conviction, you should be really concerned. And if children and heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ... Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I'm going to stop right there and <clears throat> we'll talk about abiding uh, maybe the next, next time we're in this. But I want to encourage you tonight and challenge you tonight. Again, I don't know where you're at. Uh, hopefully nobody in here is able to just stray or disregard God's commands and, and not feel conviction. They can, you can justify it and be like, I still feel good about my Christianity. I still feel good about my salvation. Listen, there's times that when, when I start thinking the wrong thoughts, there's conviction. That should be in the presence of, of, of a child of God. I'm not saying that the flesh doesn't have a pull and that you don't sometimes have those thoughts or don't make certain decisions or, again, whether it's, oh, I, I should have done this. Why didn't I do this? And you don't really feel that conviction until a little bit later, maybe when the Lord knows you're going to be listening or when he needs to get your attention or whatever. I'm not God. I don't know how the Holy Spirit works in every way. But I do know that there's no time that as a child of God, he lets us just go sin and do whatever we want to do. Now, there may be a season where we go and he's convicting and we're not listening and we keep going and we're not, and, and we're not listening and he's convicting, and we're not listening. And then the next step he takes is to try to get our attention a little bit more than just that conviction. Maybe presents a situation where, oh, wow, I need to get back right. Maybe it gets a little more desperate. Maybe the chastisement and the correction gets a little more severe. Maybe the attention getting becomes a little more profound. Whoa, okay, God, you got my attention now. But he never lets his children go. We're his children. He's not okay with us going towards death, which sin is death. He's not okay with us going towards the world. We're supposed to be dead to the world. So we've got to remember, man. So here's where where I'll end it. There have been so many times that God's word has convicted me and, and the Holy Spirit has convicted me in messages and personal study and, and stuff like that and there's times that it hasn't felt good because it didn't please my flesh 
But there are times when I feel like that the Spirit had a hold of me. And in the conviction, I was so thankful for that conviction. I, I, I've been there so many times and, and thought, God, thank you for convicting me. Because out of all the many blessings that conviction does, accomplishes in, in our lives, or get, it gives to us, conviction assures us. The Holy Spirit moving and saying, you're wrong, you're off, you're straying, you're disobeying. Get back. Get back to life. Get back to protection. Get back to the, the shadow of my wings. And so tonight, I don't know what is necessary or needed. Maybe you need to hear that to share with someone else, or maybe you just needed some assurance about the conviction you're feeling. I don't, I don't know. But tonight, again, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit, so thankful for conviction. I'm so thankful that uh, we have the truth that the Holy Spirit leads us in. And so if nothing else, maybe that's where you're at tonight. You say, you know what? Thank you for all these things, Lord. Uh, we'll just have a few minutes uh, to respond tonight. Uh, and whatever, how the Lord leads you is uh, how I encourage you to do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the time in your word and the reminders tonight and the encouragement tonight, the admonishment tonight. Um, Lord, again, if there's somebody here that's struggling with their salvation, if there's somebody here that's um, just straying maybe and feeling that conviction, I pray that tonight would be that, that reminder or maybe even a confirmation they need to get all the way back to where they're supposed to be. Lord, maybe tonight was that next step of conviction or that next step in correction. Um, maybe it was a, a warning for what could be ahead. Lord, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where everybody is, and I don't know all your ways. I just ask that you would do what you want to do uh, as we respond now. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name.